0: Good morning, everyone. How's it going? All right. Uh, how many of you like to wait? You, uh, Tim, loves waiting. Tim is the only one who loves to wait. Yeah, we love to wait, don't we? Waiting in line. I'm I'm the, how many of you, when you go to the grocery store, you're scouting out the cashiers and you're looking at which line is the shortest, but you're not only looking at which line is the shortest, you're looking at which cashier is the most productive, because their line might be a little bit longer, but you know you're going to get through that line more quickly than that line, right? Uh, Yes, waiting in line, waiting for someone to show up at a meeting. Uh, what, What do you not like to wait for? Just shout it out. What do you not like to wait for? dmv amen brother the bathroom, the bathroom. yes <laughs> that could be a problem waiting for the bathroom what else any meal, any meal. all right any zoom uh, comment is it possible to read those you guys got those anyone on zoom saying anything they don't all right shout them out if they come uh, anything else what do you not like to wait for People that are late for appointments. Yeah. Yeah. Answers to questions, questions, right? Um, We're uh, in, this is the second Sunday of Lent, right? Yeah, second Sunday of Lent, and uh, we're following the psalms in the lectionary through uh, this Lent season. The psalm for today is Psalm 27. It ends with these words, wait for the Lord be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Says it's twice, just in case you didn't catch it. Uh, Wait for the Lord. Um, But we're gonna have to wait to get there because we're gonna go through the whole Psalm and build up to it. Um, Build up to waiting, yeah. Uh, Interestingly, sometimes uh, our seasons of waiting After the fact, make for the best stories, don't they? Uh, We don't enjoy it in the moment, but sometimes it makes for the best stories. Uh, Man, probably close to 20 years ago now, uh, before we had kids, Jenna and I were uh, backpacking and camping in the mountains, uh, and this one spot we stopped, we were in the Beartooth Mountains, just north of Yellowstone in Montana, and we just found this old forest road, and drove up it until we couldn't drive any further. Like the, the rocks and the boulders became, I mean, so big our car couldn't go any further. So, and we were at we were about ten thousand feet at this point. We stopped, and there was a alpine lake right here, and then up the hill, there was like a bush with a flat spot. And that's where we pitched our tent. And I was able to hike down to the lake and filter our water, hike back up to the tent. And uh, we had our tent set up. we were getting our gear out. We were uh, pre- starting to prepare dinner. And there's this rock I was standing on. And I was looking out, and I was like, there's a whole herd of cows over there. That's wild. I found out later that uh, Montana ranchers, they, they have a partnership with the Forest Service to do this, to let their cattle free range Uh, until they gather them to to slaughter them. And so um, all these cows were out there. I was like, that is so cool. And then they saw us and they slowly made their way over to us. And so our whole campsite had these cows in our campsite. And I was like, this is so cool. And then they started pooping, and all the flies were there, and I was like, this is not cool. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, 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 and I, I drove cattle. I uh, drove them away, and off they went, and we watched them for a while, and then they disappeared, and we didn't see them again. And then that night, we're sleeping in the tent, and in the middle of the night, I heard the cows running. It was a stampede. Like, I could hear them running. And I said, Jenna, Jenna, get up, get up. We got to get out of the tent. It's a stampede. And by the time I could even open the tent uh, door, they had stopped all around the tent. And I shine my light out, and all these cow eyes are staring at us. And I'm like, this is crazy. All I can imagine is that a pack of wolves or a bear or something attacked the herd, and they ran to where the humans were, where they felt like they'd be safe. And so I get out of the tent. We both get out of the tent. And I'm like, we, I'm, we're not going back to sleep in the tent. I'm not going to have a cow step on us. Uh, and so I'm trying to drive them away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't move. They weren't going anywhere. And so I was like, OK, like, leave the tent, grab our sleeping bags, hold my hand, Jenna's walking behind me, and it's like the cows, it was like the the Red Sea parting. Uh, We walked through the cows down to the car, and they started following us to the, wherever we were going, they were going. And so we got in the car, started the car, went down the road about a mile or so, parked the car, and I was like, I guess we're sleeping in the car. And so we had to wait. We had to wait all night long, in the car, before we could drive back up, hike back up, get our gear. We woke up, there were cowlicks all over the windows of the car, Uh, waiting, waiting. But then there's the other kinds of waiting, right? Waiting in the waiting room. Why do they call it the waiting room? (laughs) Waiting to hear how the surgery went, Uh, waiting to hear what the diagnosis is, waiting and longing for your child to return. Uh, Waiting and longing for that relationship to be restored. Will it be restored? Uh, Waiting and longing. Uh, Psalm 27 builds up to this idea of waiting. Uh, Let's start in verse one. This is Dave Robinson, by the way, if you don't know him, he's gonna read for me.
1: Is There we go. Good morning. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Okay,
0: so this is Psalm 1. This is like the grounding verse of this Psalm. This idea of God as light and salvation. And if we understand God as light and salvation, then, The question, whom shall we fear? Uh, Because we often live in fear, don't we? And uh, the the invitation from God is to let God's light shine in the darkness. Uh, The darkness of our situations, the darkness of our own inner journey, our own woundedness. Uh, In what way is God inviting you to let God's light shine? Maybe uh, you all have a pen and paper, and I'm going to toss some questions out there throughout, and I simply want to invite you to write these questions down, and if you would, commit to taking some space later today or later this week to reflect on these questions. Uh, One question is, in this season, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Next question, uh, where is God inviting you to let the light shine in. Um, what are we afraid of? We're often afraid of being known, truly being known, digging into our own stuff. Um, poet Hafez says, fear is the cheapest room in the house. I would like to see you living in better conditions. I should not make any promises right now, but I know if you pray somewhere in this world, something good will happen. Uh, Perhaps the invitation is to simply sit in prayer and invite God's light to shine in. Uh, what, What if this is God's invitation on our lives to let the light shine in, to be free from fear, and to truly allow God to change and transform our hearts. Frederick Buechner says, what we hunger for perhaps more than anything else is to be known in our full humanness. And yet, that is often what we also fear more than anything else. I think you and I have had this conversation where we, we as, we're like this, right? Come closer, I want you to know me. Oop, oh, stop, uh, we, we, we hold this posture <laughs> towards people. Our, our deep longing is to truly be known, and yet we so often are afraid of it. If you really knew me, if you really knew my stuff, uh, you wouldn't be my friend, you wouldn't like me. Um, to be known, to allow God's light to shine in. It, it requires something of us, free from distractions. Uh, this is a grounding verse for us, light, salvation, contrasted with our human fear. Let's uh, read verses two and three.
1: When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, When my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Okay,
0: Uh, a lot of the military language here may not feel applicable to us, but sure feels applicable to folks in Ukraine right now, doesn't it? Um, Folks fleeing for their lives uh, while we complain about $6 gasoline. Um, and so maybe for us this morning uh, it's, it's reading some of this military language as metaphor and just asking the question, what, what is the battle against my heart? Uh, what is the war that is being waged within me? Um, fighting the battle of doing the next right thing uh, fighting the battle between what I want and God's heart for
1: me verse 4 one thing I ask of the Lord this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple Um. For for David, uh, God's
0: house is the temple. But we we see a trajectory through the scriptures of God's dwelling, don't we? Uh, God is dwelling with the first humans in the garden. Uh, God meets uh, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He meets them where they are, uh, wherever they find themselves. Um, uh, The movement to... uh, moses and and the people of israel and crying out to god and god revealing god's self in a burning bush uh the movement to uh the tabernacle and then the temple and then uh the promised messiah in which god dwells jesus and then the sending of the spirit and god dwelling in us the church the people uh and The psalmist declaring the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, And in a sense, God's house is the whole world, isn't it? And so what does it look like to seek the beauty of God wherever we find ourselves, recognizing that God's house is the whole world? Uh, What does it look like to seek the beauty of God and be changed by it? Because beauty can change us, right? I'm, I'm curious as an art, we're all art, you're good at saying that, that we're all artists in a way. Um,
1: I would say that.
0: Yeah, uh, some are are uniquely bent towards the visual arts and and things of that sort or music. Um, I'm wondering for you, I'm putting them on the spot here, but I've always invited Dave to interrupt me or, or talk anytime I teach. So I'm wondering for you as an artist, what is beauty? Uh, How do you, how do you see beauty? Where do you find beauty?
1: I got a long answer that I don't think you want, but it might be another sermon. It would be Because in a way it's whatever calls you into the light into the truest place and speaks to your deepest soul Mm. and hits that space where you You feel the beauty Mm-hmm. The 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 call toward something that's upward and towards revealing yourself toward because uh, whether it's music or whether it's art or whether it's problem solving or whether it's all kinds of things when something strikes you down in your core and calls you out and up and into the light uh, you're experiencing a beautiful moment mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> love it.
0: You maybe you should keep going. You got an applause, man. I think the next one will be a standing ovation. <laughs> um, Dostoevsky says this, beauty is not only a terrible thing, it is also a mysterious thing. There God and the devil strive for mastery and the battleground is the heart of humans. Uh, God's heart is for us to pursue beauty. And and God is the true author of all beauty. So wherever we find beauty, we find God. Uh, David says, I I long to seek your beauty. Uh, Wherever we find beauty, we find God. To see beauty requires something of us. Free from distraction. Uh, It reminds me of... um, I've said this here before, I'm sure, but I just love this line. It's uh, in the Alice Walker in her book, The Color Purple. She says, I think it pisses God off if we walk through a field where the color purple is and we don't notice it. Uh, maybe a bit of hyperbole there, but the, the point is taken, right? Uh, we are invited to see beauty. And wherever we see beauty, God is there. Uh, There's an invitation to continued, unhurried abiding in God's beautiful presence. So another question maybe for you to write down, what keeps you from being unhurried? And... Where do you find beauty? To dwell, to gaze, to seek God's beauty, uh, these things require something of us, free from distraction. Let's uh, go verses five and six.
1: For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at his tabernacle I will sacrifice with shouts of joy I will sing and make music to the Lord
0: okay so this psalm uh, speaks to this interesting tension between human fears and the assurance of divine hope Like in this moment Writing this psalm, uh, David is living in this assurance, this trust, this divine hope that God is protector, God will watch over me, uh, and, and so somehow in this psalm and in our lives we, we hold fear and faith, uh, we hold doubt and trust, and God is present in all of it. Uh, this is just part of the life of faith in our journey, holding this tension uh, that we live with. Of wondering, of waiting, and yet divine hope and assurance. Um,
1: let's go seven
0: through nine.
1: Seven. Hear my voice when I call. O oh Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me, do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior.
0: Okay, so we move from this like divine assurance of of God's presence and God's safe place and God's protection to more of a lament and a crying out to God and saying, God, do not reject me. Uh, Do not hide your face from me. Uh, And and the psalmist has already said, I I will seek the Lord. This feels like a bit of hide and seek, doesn't it? Uh, I, I wonder for us. When God feels hidden, how do you seek God? Because we are promised of God's ever-present presence. Uh, God is always present, and yet there are seasons for us where God doesn't feel present, right? Uh, How do you seek God? when it feels like God is hidden. Because seeking requires something of us, free from distraction. Uh, my kids don't play it as much as they used to, but we used to play hide and seek all the time, right? And when, some, when people are hiding, the seeker needs to what? Find them, <laughs> seek. You don't go off and do something else. <laughs> You're seeking. And this is the invitation. When it feels like God is hidden, we seek, and we're invited to seek with our whole hearts. Verse 10.
1: Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me.
0: So the psalmist here it is hitting on something that is a universal truth to all of us. Uh, we have all been wounded by those closest to us. Some more severe than others, but your, your father and mother wounded you. If you have children, you have wounded your children. It's a universal truth. Some more severe than others. I have hurt my children. I have done things that have hurt my children. I hope that I quickly move towards reconciliation and to resolve it and to apologize. Uh, I have hurt my wife. I hope I quickly move towards reconciliation and to repair it and heal it and resolve it. Uh, Those we are closest with have hurt us and we have hurt. Uh, And and so the invitation is to just simply be aware of that and to pay attention to those wounds because unresolved wounds only end up in more wounding, don't they? Uh, Are we either, transmit our wounds or allow them to be transformed. Uh, Doesn't mean that the wound is gone. When Jesus rose from the dead, his resurrected body had what? Wounds. They weren't gone, but man, they were transformed. They were transformed. Uh, We get to be a part of that process. We get to choose. Will we transmit our pain to others in our life? Will we continue the generational wounding? Or will we allow God's spirit to enter in and do a work of transformation? The wound is there, but it's either being transmitted or transformed. Uh, Man, I want to be a person who experiences the transformation. I've done far too much transmitting in my life. I I, want to live the transformed life. Let's uh, do verses 11 and 12.
1: Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me breathing out violence
0: all right teach me your ways O Lord Um, Jesus says I am the way you want to know uh, the teachings of God you want to know the way of God Uh, pay attention to the life and teachings of Jesus You wanna know what the way is? Uh, Jesus laid it out for us. We we want specifics though, don't we? We want answers now for what we're supposed to do and where we're going. uh, There there is an invitation of a way to live and Jesus showed us that way and he taught us that way. And the invitation is to walk in the way, in the way of Jesus that Jesus has laid out for us. But to learn and to walk in the way of Jesus requires something of us, free from distraction.
1: I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living.
0: Okay, this brings us back to the beauty of the Lord in the temple, right? I will see the goodness of the Lord, where? In the land of the living. What's the land of the living? (laughs) All around us, right? So maybe a question put a different way. Where do you see the goodness of God in your life? Where do you see the goodness of God in the land of the living? You all waited for it, and here we are. Verse 14.
1: Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord.
0: Okay. We live in a fast-paced culture that tells us, get off your butt and do something. And sometimes we do need to get off our butt if we're being lazy, right? So, uh, yet we don't like waiting. We want to figure things out and we want to figure them out now that that liminal space that in between can be so painful and so difficult Uh, and and we identify what we want the uh where we want to be somewhere we want to be someone we want to be with something we want to do uh, and yet the invitation is to patiently and prayerfully discern god's heart for us we We don't want the in-between. We don't want the desert. We we don't want the liminal space. And when we find ourselves there, we try to avoid it by fixing it and figuring it out. Uh, We don't want the dark night of the soul, as Saint John of the Cross puts it. Uh, Rilke wrote this great poem entitled, Let this darkness be a bell tower. He says, quiet friend who has come so far. Feel how your breathing makes more space around you. Let this darkness be a bell tower, and you the bell as you ring. What batters you becomes your strength. Oh, that's so important for us to grasp. What batters you becomes your strength. Somehow, our greatest wounds reveal our greatest gifts. Move back and forth into the change. What is it like, such intensity of pain? If the drink is bitter, churn yourself to wine. In this uncontainable night, be the mystery at the crossroads of your senses. The meaning discovered there. Waiting, it's a theme all throughout the scriptures. The invitation to wait, listen to God, to not be rash, but to wait on God and move when God says move, to act when God says act, to do what God's invitation on our lives is to do. The patriarchs were constantly waiting. Uh, The Hebrew people waited in slavery for God to move on their behalf. Uh, When we get to the gospels, uh, we see Luke one and two, it's full of people waiting. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were waiting for a child, Mary was anticipating and waiting for this child within her to be born. Uh, we, we find uh, Simeon at the temple. Uh, he had been there for years waiting, and, and Anna at the temple waiting to see the Messiah before they died. They had waited their whole lives. Henry Nouwen says waiting is a movement. And so he's, he's saying waiting is not sitting around doing nothing. It's a movement. There is a type of active waiting. He says it's not from nothing to something, but from something to something. A seed of hope which we trust is there, yet has not come to fruition. The secret of waiting is the faith that the seed has been planted, that something has begun. Active waiting means to be present fully to the moment in the conviction that something is happening. It's a trust that even though it might not feel like it, God is at work. Are we willing to wait? Because uh, waiting requires something of us, free from distraction. Waiting also requires something else, a word we love. Patience. Patience. Patience comes from the Latin pati. Anyone know what pati means? I wish it meant party. Kind of sounds like party, right? No, pati means to suffer. Same in the Greek, the root is to suffer. Waiting involves suffering. We do not like to wait. We do not like suffering. Often, much of our waiting is wishes, uh, something we wish to have, someone we wish to be with, somewhere we wish to be. We want a future on our terms. But to wait with faith, hope, and love requires something of us free from distraction. It's a giving up of control of our ideas of what we want and a submission to the Spirit of God to guide us into God's heart for us in our future. Waiting involves prayerfully discerning. God holds our future according to God's love, not our fear. We are invited into this process through prayerful discernment. But prayerful discernment, you know what I'm going to say now, don't you, requires something of us, free from distraction. So I want to tie this together with Isaiah 30, verse 15, that theme verse for Beamerin through Lent, and I put it in a little bit of the context of Isaiah 30, because I think of Ties in so beautifully with Psalm uh, 27. So let's jump to Isaiah 30 and uh, verse 15. Shall I say returning or
1: repentance? Either one. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says: In repentance and rest is your salvation; in quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Okay.
0: So. Some really amazing words here to hone in on: repentance, rest, salvation, quietness, trust, strength. Uh, I love how it's translated. Uh, it was translated earlier: returning, repentance, in returning, because repentance simply means. I mean, the word repentance, I think, gets a bad rap in our culture, but repentance simply means you're walking one way and you turn around. It means to turn around and walk back, to return. The invitation from God is to return, to return home, come home. That's exactly what the parable of the lost son is all about, right? A return. That's repentance, to return home to the heart of God. Uh, God's invitation is come home. Uh, And then it says, but you would have none of it. Uh, Isn't this so true? Because it requires something of us, right? Free from distraction. And so we start moving faster. We start busying ourselves. We start ignoring the distractions. We ignore the addictions. We ignore the pain. We ignore the wounds because we don't want to go there. Because it requires something of us. And it involves suffering to push through it to the other side. Uh, Verse 16.
1: You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift.
0: And a thousand will flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. So there there it is, we flee. We run away from that which we don't want to deal with, that which we don't uh, want to, uh, admit. Uh, we run away from truly being known. Uh, we, we keep going this way when God's invitation is, return, return to me. Um, and again, like some military language here, it's like an arms program, like building up our arsenal, our self-protection, our self-preservation, uh, our uh, defense, building up our walls, our defenses. Um, All of which is the antithesis of trust. We're trying to control the situation rather than live into trust. Verse 18.
1: Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him whoa
0: what blessed are all those who wait for him but catch this at the beginning of that verse yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you God is waiting we're not the only ones waiting God is waiting for us to come home, God is waiting for us to return. God is waiting for us to wait, just sit in it. Blessed are all who wait for him. God is waiting for us and and we're invited to wait. Active waiting, though. We're not sitting around, oh, when will God show up? We're invited to trust that God is already present in the waiting and God will be revealed in due time. Verse
1: 19. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious He will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you.
0: Mm -hmm. God is waiting for us to seek him. God is waiting for us to call out. Verse 20 and 21.
1: Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it.
0: Mm. The result of our waiting, the result of our suffering in patience, the result of our prayerful discernment is the promise that in due time we will hear, this is the way walk in it. I want to hear that. Anyone else want to hear that? This is the way. Walk in it. Uh, There there is a difference between pursuing our wishes and living in divine hope. Uh, There's a difference between wisdom and making our own rash decisions. There's a difference between discernment and spontaneity. Not that spontaneity is all that bad, when we spontaneously decide to do something fun. Uh, So that's not the kind of spontaneity I'm talking about. There's a difference between true, wise, prayerful discernment and our decision-making that we think is best for us. There's a difference between waiting and being distracted. Yet all these things, hope, wisdom, discernment, waiting, they require something of us. Free from distraction. We we see this through the biblical narrative as well, the difference between rash decision-making and wisdom. Uh, Moses rashly kills an Egyptian soldier and has to flee, and then he's waiting for years before he sees the bush burning. And God shows up, and Moses pays attention. And he hears, this is the way. Walk in it. David rashly took advantage of Bathsheba, had her husband killed, and yet other seasons of David's life, including writing the psalm, he was waiting, and he heard, this is the way walk in it. Paul rashly would kill Christians until God said, that no more. And his eyes were opened, and he met Jesus. And and do you know what he did then? The opening chapter of Galatians tells us Paul went away to Arabia for three years, waiting. And then after that, 14 more years before he began his missionary journeys, waiting. And then he heard, this is the way. Walk in it. We are invited to discern and to wait until we hear, this is the way walk in it. Um, sometimes what we hear in this is the way walk in it is difficult. My friend, uh, Phyllis Tickle, uh, she told me one time when her husband was dying, she said this is my vocation right now to care for my husband. The books uh, she was an author, a expert in religion and spirituality, She said, the books I have in my head to write, the teachings I have to give, those things can wait. The invitation right now in my life is to care for my husband until he dies. And she did. He died in January 2015. In April 2015, she was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer and died a few months later. And when she discovered that she was dying and wouldn't get to do all the things she was waiting to do, she said, dying is now my vocation. And I choose to die well. I don't know that that would be my response. She was one of the most wise, prayerfully discerning people I've ever met. And she heard, this is the way. Walk in it. So she cared for her husband until he died. This is the way. Walk I'm bringing you home. She wasn't afraid to die, and she entered into it because she heard God's voice. We, we don't like the waiting uh, because it requires something of us, because it, it requires death, Right? We don't get resurrection without death. We don't get Easter Sunday without Friday and Holy Saturday while we're all waiting. Uh, Jesus waited, begging his father in the Garden of Gethsemane. He waited while he was tortured. He waited on the cross. He waited in the grave. And then resurrection happened. And yet the wounds were still there. But, man, were they transformed. Maybe write this question down. Uh, What wounds do you still carry that you would like to see transformed? Waiting helps us see we're not in control. Another Frederick Buechner quote, he says, Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. God is my light and salvation. Whom or what shall I fear? Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Jesus, without fear, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of the covenant said, this is my blood spilled out for you. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until what? Until he comes. We're waiting, aren't we? Jesus too is waiting. He said, I will not drink of this cup of the covenant again, until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is waiting to drink of this cup with us, and we are waiting for Jesus to come. Require something of us, free from distraction. Uh, What's the invitation for you this morning as you come and partake of the bread and the cup? What are you waiting for? What are you longing for? And what does it look like for you to seek the beauty of the Lord and ask for God's presence in the midst of your waiting? God, we we admit we don't like to wait for very much. It's hard. It often involves suffering and pain. And yet, God, we want to be a people who are transformed that experience resurrection out of death, renewal out of loss, rebirth out of heartache. And so, God, I I pray that we would wait on you and that we would hear from you, this is the way. Walk in it. In the name of Jesus,
1: amen.